Hi, I'm Peter. I'm Marcus. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Prep Hour. Welcome to Prep Hour. Today we are talking about Title I schools, misconceptions, demographics, and what it's like to teach in a Title I school. To help us understand these schools, we have fifth grade teacher Kayla North. Kayla taught third grade in a Title I school in Mesa for five years. Kayla, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. We're excited to have you. Um, Let's go ahead and get started with our, our first question. All right. So Kayla, what is a Title I school for those of us who don't know? Title I is a federally funded program based off of a percentage of students who come from low-income families. So, Kayla, when, when you say that, are, I think the misconception uh, of a Title I school is that Title I schools are bad schools. Did you have any preconceived notions of a Title I school before you taught in one? Um, and what were some of those preconceived notions? I honestly didn't have an opinion about Title I schools. I was right out of college and wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. Um, I had several people tell me how I was going to work really hard and not have a whole lot of support, but I didn't find that to be the case at all. Um, I had an awesome team. My principal was very supportive. Everyone was very welcoming. And at Title I schools, you tend to have more support because there's a lot more funding. So we had aides in every single classroom. I think my first year I had an aide for three hours of the day to help me. I had a coach who would come and watch me teach and give me feedback on what I was that I was doing correctly or what I needed to work on. So I had a lot of support and I found that that opinion of not having support was completely false. Did you have support from from parents as well or or I found that parents were very trusting of what I did and didn't really involve themselves too much. I had some parents who would offer to like come in the classroom and cut things out or do my bulletin boards, but that was pretty much it. Okay. So, I think a lot of people when they hear Title 1, they immediately think low socioeconomic or like inner city schools, I think is what they yeah. think. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And they think of them as, as bad schools. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, is that the case or what? what's... Right. So, I think that's... A lot of people do think that. And I there are families who struggle financially. And a lot of things in my classroom, I had to purchase for my students. When you send out a supply list at the beginning of the year, I didn't ask my kids for anything because... I didn't know what they could afford and I didn't want them to have that financial strain. So a lot of that stuff I purchased myself or through the funding that we had through the school district. You know, you talked about support and I worked at a Title I school for two years. The one thing I'll never forget was the support through staff, the camaraderie through staff and how that, like, I've never experienced that again in all my years of education. Did you experience something similar to that at your Title I school? Absolutely. When I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, I sent Peter a text when you guys were interviewing your wife. And when you were talking about the relationship she had at that school, I experienced the exact same thing. I wouldn't have survived the first two years without my team. They were amazing. They gave me every single tool they had. They were very supportive. They gave me feedback. 
they were they're my best friends still to this day. So the trade-off was, I'm guessing, is the demands that were put upon you as a teacher, the community and everything else. Because I think, and again, Title I schools, I think to myself, is, is real demanding on the teachers, real demanding. And it takes, it takes a special breed to, to teach in that kind of environment. Is, did you feel that as well? Yeah, definitely. There was definitely more hours put into working at a Title I school. There was a lot more paperwork at Title I schools because you had to justify how you were spending all these people's time and the money that the district was giving us. So there was way more Definitely way more paperwork. So I, I've never taught in a Title I school. So and when you guys say it's 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 a struggle and you have to be a different breed, um, is it because of the student? Is it because of the parent? Is it because of the administration? Is it because of the regulation? What What is it that, that makes it tough on teachers to be in a Title I school? Or is it a combination of all of those things? I, it, for me, that emotional attachment... It's a lot different, I think, at a, at a more affluent school because um, their basic needs are being met. At a Title I school, their basic needs aren't always being met. And I think teachers are, are taking that role, and that drains teachers a ton. That's, my, that, that's, that's what I remember. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I, every break, I was worried about what was going to happen when these kids went on break. I worried, like, would they come back after break? A lot of times... You would have kids who would leave the school and go to a different school and you never found out why. Their lives outside of school were very difficult. I can still remember my first year teaching, having a little girl who was in the car when her dad got a DUI. And she was one of the most well-behaved kids I've ever had. And I just remember in the middle of the day, her crying. And when I pulled her outside to talk to her, she had told me her dad was arrested that morning on the way to school. And that just breaks your heart. I remember I really struggled with Red for Ed because I felt like those kids' needs wouldn't be met if I wasn't at my job. We're having a lot of conversations around equity right now at our in, in our um, district. And it was interesting because a book that we're reading is talking about how really like the home life isn't really relevant to this conversation that we're having. And I just, I sat through this meeting going, I, I don't buy that at all. And, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's people forget the teachers who are teaching in some of these, um, title one schools or schools that are lower socioeconomic, um, statuses. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes into, because if a kid walks in your classroom and they're being neglected or abused or just, you know, the mom has to work, you know, three shifts and is never home. I think I I think that effect totally affects a kid's ability to perform in a classroom. Well, I'm surprised because we always talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, you if you want somebody, anybody, not just a student, but anybody to succeed, you have to have those basic needs met. The school, the high school I taught at, a lot of my students, you know, the AP, they're wondering, should I go into medical school or engineering or law school after ASU? after Arizona, after the university, whereas other students are thinking, how am I going to provide for my mom now that my dad has been arrested or my dad has been deported or uh, we had to move in with my uncle? I mean, those are the things that they're thinking about immediately. And our students have the ability in an, in a affluent school, they, ha they have the ability to look 
into the future where these people are looking immediately, what am I going to do when I get home tonight? Do I want to go home tonight? Will my teacher stay with me for another hour? Because I, I really don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. My dad's going to be drunk or they're not going to be there or there's horrible things in the neighborhood going on. So did I, you, you may not know the stat, Caleb, but did you know what number of kids percentage were on title or were on free and reduced lunch? I believe it was like 98%. Okay. And, and my follow up question to that is, did you like over your five years at your school, did the enrollment stay about the same? Did it go up? To, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty much the same the whole time I was there. And to Pete's point, so your Title One school really was the center, was the and perhaps the center of that family in many respects. Yeah. So Kayla, you teach now in a non-Title One school in Gilbert, Arizona. What are the differences between a Title One school and a non-Title One school? So I I, I kind of asked you a little bit, but like, would a person walk into your former school and say, "Oh, yeah, this is a Title One school." And, or do they look the same? Do, do the demographics look the same? Do the students act the same? Do the parents act the same? I think the biggest difference between my school now and the school I was at is the school I was at before was 40 years old. The teacher who I taught with, she went to elementary school there. We got upgrades like everybody else. And actually, I think sometimes Title I schools tend to get more of the new stuff just because we have additional funding. I know in my classroom at my old school, there was a computer cart between the two of us. And now at my new school, there's a cart between the whole grade level. As far as walking in on a day-to-day basis, it's just like any other school. There's parents all over the place sending their kids off to school. My kids were in uniform there, so that was a big difference. I think having uniforms when they are in a low-income area is kind of nice because you don't know who doesn't have a shirt, you know, certain clothing or who doesn't have brand new shoes and stuff like that. Overall, I would say they were pretty similar. So Kaylee, in, in your your five years at your Title I school, uh, were you, was your salary augmented by the federal government at all? No. Okay. Not at all. Okay. So it didn't matter if you were at the latest school in Mesa or the, 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 the you know, the more affluent school in Mesa versus the Title I school, you're going to make the same salary because it was based on years of experience? Exactly. Okay. It was all the same. And let me ask you this because I think I don't want people to hear Title I schools get more funding. So let's stop talking about the schools that need that funding. You know what I'm saying? But when we talk about communities that um, are a little bit more affluent, they're communities are contributing to what's going. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like why that little difference there? Right. So one of the things I've also noticed is like from title one to where I'm at now is there is funding like different fundraisers that happen at a title one school. You get less of that fundraising. So like our PTO at my new school does things for our teachers and, you know, we get to have carnivals and stuff like that. We didn't really get to do that kind of stuff at my last school because there wasn't money to fundraise. So, okay. So at Town Meadows, you're probably getting, receiving tax credit money where at your Title I school, you weren't receiving any tax credit money, correct? Right. Unless I talked a family member into doing it. Which they, in some (laughs) cases, may not totally understand. Right. What? Yeah. And I don't think people, I don't think a lot of the community at a Title I school, to to emphasize your point, both of your points, they're not giving the maximum tax credit to their kids. They don't have any money. Right. 
So just to kind of, I guess we've already had several episodes on charter schools and vouchers and that and the funding for it, you know, tax credits where it makes you feel nicer in an affluent area. I'll just get on my soapbox here. While it makes you feel nicer in an affluent area to put your money in your kid's school, you're, you're really taking out of the general fund. The, the, your tax dollars should be going to the state and then those tax dollars getting appropriated to schools like Title I schools that need it. Right. Equally. Yeah. Okay. I've got kind of a follow-up question that has to do with finances then. I don't, were you aware of like when your district would, were, would go to pass bonds and things like that? Was that community a community that was going to pass bonds? Um, so you had that, that kind of a support or no? Yeah, they definitely, we passed every bond while I was there. So the poor, poorer people didn't complain about the increase in their. No, they, they valued education. Okay. The, uh, the people that didn't really have a lot of education valued edge. I'm making a point of this that I, I get, I'm getting on my soapbox because I teach in an affluent area where I would say a majority of the parents have an education and make good money and, and complain, complained. I'm not there anymore. Complained a lot about the property tax or, you know, having to pay more for a bond issue. Uh, I find that interesting. So Kayla, would it be better for a new teacher to be in a Title I school or a veteran teacher, like in other words, you know, you you start now in a Title I school. Um, like if you didn't have that experience and you have the experience now at a new school or a, let's say a more fluent school, would you be more resilient or resistant to go to uh, a Title I school? Or are you glad you had the experience that you had? I'm definitely grateful for the experience that I had. I think a lot of new teachers, you know, we're so excited to get our first job and that enthusiasm I think is so important at a Title I school. Um, there were several teachers at my school, though, who had been at that school their whole teaching career. And they were awesome. They they loved being there. They were so supportive and they gave a lot of insight on and advice to me. Um, I think some people get burnt out very fast being in a Title I. I would have stayed longer if it hadn't been such a far commute. Like ultimately, mm-hmm. that was the reason I left was it was a 45-minute commute. Well, and that's and that's, that was going to be my follow-up question, why you left, because a lot of teachers who teach at Title I schools don't live in the community, and that's why they leave, right? And you're living proof of that. Right. I was commuting 45 minutes each way every single day, and it it's hard. I mean, I had other things at home. I was getting my master's degree at the exact same time and had to go home and finish a paper and I would be exhausted by the time I got home. Also, my whole team ended up leaving the same year that I left. And so I just figured that was the time to do it. Um, All right. So do you think since you started off in Title I, do you think that um, it would be better for a new teacher to start in Title I or or maybe wait until they're a veteran? I definitely would start off in a Title I school. I think because of the fact that I taught at a Title I school, I've realized the importance of getting to know my kids outside of school, getting to know their personal lives. I have learned that the relationships between my kids is so important. That's what you need to have a good classroom. I think without being in a Title I school, I wouldn't have even thought about that. I wouldn't have realize that these kids go home and mom's working three jobs and so is dad or they're taking care of their younger siblings. I think it was really eye-opening for me to work at a Title I school first. Okay. And so with the with testing in mind, standardized testing, what were some of the inequities that you saw 
And again, it's open for interpretation as far as your students in the community versus the two schools you're at now. Okay, can you say it one more time? Yeah, no problem. Um, so what were some of the, like the, uh, I just lost the question. Um, what were some of the inequities in testing that you saw in your students at your Title I school versus the school you're at now? I think a lot of times with Title I schools, there's this uh, stigma that kids can't perform as well as kids at other schools. And that is not the case. I had kids who would be highly proficient and um, kids who attested in gifted programs, even in the Title I school. Did they get that? Did they get support though? For oh, that yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. One year, I can still remember this. It was one of my favorite moments teaching is I had the highest test scores in third grade and my principal came into the room and him and I were both crying as we're looking at these test scores because my kids had performed so high, higher than I could have even imagined. I, my expectations were blown away that year. Kayla, this is your seventh year, right? Mm-hmm. So what would Kayla in her seventh year say to Kayla in her first year? That's a really tough question. Um, I think back then I just tried to make everything so perfect and I wish I had realized how important the social emotional learning was my first year. The building of relationships with your kids? Yeah. I by the end of the year we were all really close, but it took you know, it took a while to get there. I got I had one student who was so hard and there were days where he would tell me he hated me and I would start bawling at the end of the day because I'm it killed my ego. Right. But I realized he came back to me my fifth year and he's like, you were the one teacher who believed in me. You were the one teacher who pushed me. And he was so grateful. And you created that safe space for him. Yeah. As, yeah. And you, and as a first year teacher, you don't realize it. you're just trying to look competent mm-hmm. and you create the safe space that he probably didn't have at home. And you were and he probably didn't realize it at the time, but then five years later he realized it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He, yeah. He's like, you, really helped me. He's like, you were the one person who always told me you were proud of me. And I hope people, even if you're not working in a Title I school, I hope you're listening to that because there's students like that. Obviously, Title I schools are saturated with students like that, but there are students like that everywhere. I'm sure you have students like that right now. And I think sometimes we kind of just brush over, you know, we, we get into the academics and everything else and we forget that, again, we got kids in every single classroom that are dealing with stuff and we got to make sure we're taking care of their social emotional needs. So I think that leads us to, Kayla, if if um, someone listening is thinking about getting into teaching in a Title I school, what would be some advice you would have for them? A hundred percent, I would say go for it. It's so rewarding. I think back and I used to get little notes from the kids and I have them all like in a binder now. And they were just sweet little notes like they were so grateful for me and the parents were so grateful. I still have a card from a mom at the end of the year and it, she just talked about what a difference I made in not only her daughter's life, but in her life too. So we talked a lot about student challenges. We talked a lot about the struggles in a Title I school. We talked a lot about um, you know the, the extra help that a lot of students needed. And we have a, a, a rating and a grading a scale uh, for schools in Arizona, right? A plus to failing. Uh, your former Title One school, what was the school grade for that school? We ended up becoming an A plus school the very last year I was there. And it was a huge deal in that community. Um, 
The kids were so proud. The parents were so proud. We had a huge celebration for it. And I think a lot of people think because it was a Title I school that you can get there. And looking at the school that I'm at now compared to the school I was at, ultimately, all these teachers have the same interest in mind. It's what's best for kids. Kayla, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And we just want to remind everybody that we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So make sure you go on there and like us and uh, follow us at Prep Power Podcast. And we have two burritos left over. Anybody wants them? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. (laughs) And with that, I think we're done. Have a great day, everybody. Stay curious.